0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading is 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. It's going to be found in your Bible or in your Bible app. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy my beloved child. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you, the Word of the Lord.
1: This is it, chap—not uh, chapter, part eight. Uh, the series portrait of the Missional Family. Which is kind of what? What are all the different pieces of the family of God, the church? As we um, we'll move into a season next year where we raise up leaders, um, I thought what I'd do just to start off this message um, is to just do a quick recap for those of you maybe who missed a message here or two, and as we as we wrap up this series, part one was the fullness of ministry. That ministry is not just um, what pastors do, it's that everybody, all the saints, and that's you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, um, have ministry. That was part one. Part two and three, we talked about elders, In part two, we called it elders, shepherds, and fathers. Elders are those who shepherd and are spiritual fathers of the family of God. Part three, we talked about elder quality men. That what types of men, what are the character qualities that make up, Um, The fathers, the shepherds of God's church, um, one of whom we sadly lost um, this week. Uh, Part four, we talked about deacons, whom I called the servant leaders like Christ. All of us are intended to be servants for Christ, servants like Jesus. And then we have certain people who are raised up to be servant leaders to unleash the servanthood of the church. That was part four. Part five, we talked about sacrificial male leadership. There is a leadership in the church, and it is of men, but it isn't really like the leadership of the world. It is like our Savior, Jesus, who sacrificed himself and laid himself down to serve others. Um, part one, two, three, four, five, six was about how, uh, how, women, how women are life-giving. We called it life-giving help. And bring in tremendous power into the church by their godliness and by the way they serve others and love and give of themselves. And last week was part 7. We talked about following Jesus even though. And it was really about faith. Because we can't just only have leaders in the church. We must also have followers. And even leaders are ultimately followers like Jesus Christ who himself was a follower who followed God and willingly submitted himself unto leadership. And today we're going to close up this series um, with a message that I'm calling Missional Ownership and the Deposit of Life. Um, there is a part that all of us, whether we are leaders, whether we are followers, whether we are young, whether we are old, um, to take part in really what is the, the, the activity of the church and what is to have an who have a part and to own our portion of the mission, and I, I want to give you a message here. What Paul talks about this thing called um, to guarding. What he 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 charges Timothy. What he call what he calls and guard this thing that he calls a good deposit. It is really the, that that deposit is really the gospel. Right? It is that the gospel is a deposit given to us when we have this faith in Jesus Christ. And, um, and we are to pass this on to the next generations, to pass this on to those whom God has given us. And today I want to talk a bit about our church's mission and all of our stake in it. And so I'm going to do this in three parts. Part one, our mission. I'm going to unpack. In, uh, and for those of you who took membership class recently, this will, won't be really anything new to you, okay? Um, but I'm going to unpack in, in brief form our, our church's mission. Part two. Um, I want to talk about this thing called the deposit of life, what it means to have mission ownership. And then part three, um, I'm going to close uh, with a story, (laughs) tell you a little story about something that's happening in our church. It's just one, you know, just instance of how God is doing this in our church, Um, calling this the beauty of the Jesus-centered family, which we we like to call our church, okay? Um, Part one, our mission if you have the, actually, if you have the bulletin before you, I should have brought this up. If you have your bulletin before you, uh, right here at the top, our church's name is San Jose New Hope, and under that, it's you might see a little tagline that we would love for you to know, get to know, and um, that because this is this is who we are. It is a statement of who we are, our identity, and what we do. It is our mission. So, what does it say here? The Jesus-centered family, that's who we are. And that means, and let me just unpack that a little bit. Why are we a Jesus-centered family? Because we are based upon what Jesus has done for us, not what we could do for for ourselves. And the proclamation of what Jesus has done for us is the gospel. We're based upon that work. We are a church, a family of God, fully built upon the gospel, (coughs) the word that brings life to people that's one we are a jesus centered we are not just individuals who just chose this we're not consumers <laughs> we didn't just show up here and said oh you know what i like i like this shop that's why you know like i like korean food and therefore i like to go to this supermarket called the korean market all right or i no i like this supermarket over here because i'm indian because we're shoppers right Or I like this supermarket because I'm American. It's called Lucky's, right? Or Safeway. We're not consumers here. We're not religious duty keepers. Because we're just... or Nor are we just simply good people. And, well, good people do good religion. That's not what we are. Really, ultimately, we're a family. A family built upon God by what he has done for us through Jesus. That's why we're a family. Nobody's just a mere autonomous individual. That's another portion of what it means to be a family. You're not just here and your life is just your own. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to someone else. You belong first and foremost to God. You owe Him because uh, He bought you with a precious price. Jesus bought you with a precious price by grace, not by what we deserved. You don't get this because you can earn it. And you're not an orphan; you have a father, and you're not alone. You have brothers and sisters. This is who we are. And all those who give themselves to Jesus, you never—you never can be your own lord. You never have your have a stake in only your own life, and you're never alone. This is why we have such this, this a thing called church. And the church is not primarily a building; it is not primarily an institution; it is not primarily religion. I know all these things are parts of it. There is a religion, if you want to call it. There is a doctrine. There's a whole set of things that we believe, and there's a whole set of things, a life that we practice. There is a building, yes, because well, because I don't want to be worshiping outside, especially when it rains. Okay, and um, and we have symbols of what we believe—a cross. We have names of of this that that distinguish us from other people. Christianity, okay? um, but ultimately. Even beyond all these things, and there's an institution, but even beyond all these things, we're a family. A family that endures forever and forever, even conquering death. Even though one of our most important family members, this past week, he passed away. He doesn't cease to be a part of our family. This family conquers death because Jesus has conquered death. This is all part of who we are, Jesus-centered family. That's who we are. But we also have a mission, (laughs) And it's encapsulated here. Um, the gospel must go out into all the world. And th- the mission of the church is to proclaim the gospel into, I like to think of it as three target groups. All right? Number one, we proclaim it into our local city. All the people in, who, where we live, into our town, into our neighbors, to, that do not know Jesus Christ, who are lost in their sins, who are lost in their own autonomy, who are worshipping money rather than worshipping God, who are worshipping sex rather than worshipping God, who are worshipping power and status rather than worshipping God, who think that their life only belongs to themselves (laughs) instead of being part of a family, who, though they may have a mom and though they may have a dad, but actually they act like orphans because they think, really, life is all about me. Instead, we want to invite them into this glorious family. First, we reach our city. But then, in even reaching our city, we reach the next generation because people aren't born. They are not born believing in Jesus. So, even our own children, they are a mission field. So, we reach and we cross into the next generation. And I don't know if you've um, realized this about uh, much of even our culture. Our culture has become so very selfish that more and more we don't care about the next generation. There are, it is quite legal in, in, this, in, in our culture to kill the next generation. It's called abortion. Um, we abandon the next generation. Um, more and more people don't care about their children. They abandon their children in all kinds of different ways through, through divorce, and I know that's not I know it's a very painful subject. Uh, they move away from their children, and then they don't know them. And then, of course, we don't care about the next generation just by ignoring them. And then they often grow up and don't feel that they have people in their lives. They don't have older brothers and sisters. They don't have fathers. They don't have uncles. They don't have aunts. And people walk throughout their lives as if they don't know what life means. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't have people to support them. They don't have people to love them. And we seek them. We seek our next generation so if you're listening to this message and uh, you're a college student, you're listening to this message and you're 12 years old, we love you. We seek you. You're a part of our mission. This is what it means to cross into the next generation. And all those of you who are here, especially in first service, a number of you are here because you absolutely care about this. You're here serving um, little ones in our children's ministry or you're serving our teenagers to impart them the gospel You're absolutely doing exactly what we believe our church stands for. That's part of our mission. And we are a jesus Center family crossing generations. And we don't believe that this church, this church was planted by Korean American immigrants. And I know that some people, I hope you've noticed this, our church in our name, it doesn't say Korean this or that church. We're not a Korean Baptist church or a Korean Presbyterian church or a Korean whatever church because we're not really a Korean church. We're just a Jesus-centered church, see? We're a gospel-believing church. We're a gospel-proclaiming church. We have our identity. Our deepest foundation is in Jesus Christ alone, not Jesus Christ and being Korean. Not Jesus Christ and being educated. Not Jesus Christ and being an engineer or being a doctor or whatever it is that you think that you're who you are and built upon. Who we are is we're based on Christ, period. And that means we don't look at who we are as primarily through our ethnicity. That's why we absolutely believe in this church, that the gospel can reach anybody and that our church is here to reach anybody. And, well, you know, we need, we need to hear the gospel. And people need to hear the gospel in a language that makes sense. In this congregation, it is English. And, by the way, if you noticed that most of our city speaks English? Not everybody. Uh, most of our city speaks English. And there are all kinds of different ethnicities. We've got Mexicans and Vietnamese folks. We've got uh, Chinese folks and Iranians. Just to name just a few. And we believe our church is called to love and reach any and all of them. And um, that's our mission. You want to know what we stand for? I just gave it to you in a nutshell. And so I hope that this will be very meaningful to you, Jesus-centered family, crossing generations and cultures. And we wanted to make it simple. We wanted to make it memorable. And so if you want to know who we are and what we stand for, this is it. And all these messages, this missional family, because that's what the church is. In a nutshell, a church is a family that has a mission. It's a family that is a mission until everybody reached by that mission is reached and then Jesus will return and that family will love one another, bask in the love of our Father and glory in the glory of our Savior and pour ourselves out in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Forever and forever. And it won't even be good. It'll be awesome. <laughs> and until that day comes, until that day comes, this family has a mission until we reach all of our lost brothers and sisters. Until we act like brothers and sisters because we often forget. And that's what our church is all about. And we, I hope that as this sermon series has blessed you and made you think about your stake in, in discerning leaders. Your stake in um, in um, in just saying, hey, that person is a leader, that person is not a leader. Your stake in fighting off wolves and discerning wolves, as we talked about. Your stake in loving and supporting brothers and sisters. And your stake in reaching, uh, reaching the next generation and helping, support reaching other nations, even right here in our city. Um, That's part one, our mission. Part two. Okay. Um, Let me just take you into this beautiful passage of Scripture to help you see everything I just talked about here in part one. it's, it's, It's absolutely from the Bible. And to just give you a picture, this has been going on, Ever since Jesus Christ was risen, He named for Himself leaders to bring this family forward, and um, I just want to show you a, a, a picture of this. Um, through this, there's so many places I could have done this from. This is one of my favorite places in the Bible. I'm um, Second Timothy chapter one, and it is. For those of you who don't know, First, Second Timothy, and Titus are particularly books that are about how the gospel is handed to another generation, how a leader is raised up, and how the gospel is handed from a father to a son. And so um, listen to the way he talks. It is a letter written by Paul. That's what he says. He is an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, um, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, uh, that is in Christ Jesus. And he's writing to a guy named Timothy, and how does he describe Timothy? My beloved child. In other words, we are here to be fathers and sons, uh, fathers and mothers, as I like to put it, uncles and aunts, to another generation, and to raise up children. I don't know if you see it this way, uh, but those whom the Lord gives us of the next generation, um, some who come into this church are. Are, are the biological sons and daughters of some of you, and, and, and my sons and daughters. Um, but some are going to come into this church, and they have no biological father or mother in this church. You know who their father and mother is in this church? It's you and me. It's you and me. We're their aunts, we're their uncles. We their fathers we're their mothers, and we even have in, in the history of Christianity we even have names for this some who have, uh, who have raised their hand says, "I promise to have this role for this person who is being baptized and you guys know what that's called it's called the Godfather. It's called the Godfather and Godmother, but actually all of those who say I'm a part of New Hope Church. I hope that when you see all the little ones in in our, in our church, or some of them not so little, <laughs> you know, once they get like age 15, 16, they start getting not so little. In fact, they start getting bigger than some of us, all right? Um, but they still need, um, they still need spiritual fathers and mothers. And here we are. Paul was that to a young man named Timothy. And he says... My beloved child, what I want is grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what I want for you. Grace, mercy, and peace. That's, what, that's our hope. Grace, mercy, and peace constantly to the next generation. And he goes on to say, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers. Night and day. <laughs> and what's he saying? We pray for them. We love them so much. And, some, and hopefully we will love them so much that when they don't see us, they will miss us. They'll have tears for us. I hope so. I hope that when our younger brothers and sisters, if they leave us to go to college, or sometimes just because they need to move away, that it will hurt <laughs> that they will weep because they have been so loved. And grace, mercy, and peace has been so deeply given to them through the gospel and through the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Who are you? (laughs) Through the spine, through the arms and legs, the spine, I like to call the elders, the arms and legs, the deacons, and the hands and feet, which are all of the saints, through us, loving the next generation that they have received so much in the way that they will cry.
0: Uh,
1: When they receive a letter, when they receive words from their spiritual aunts and uncles, fathers and mothers. And he goes on to say, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Um, We just went through the season called Thanksgiving and and, uh, every culture has seasons when their family gathers together and uh, you, you know that 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 the, you know that Tuesday, Wednesday, you know that the most traveled day of the year in America, you know what that is it's Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And you know what Thanksgiving, it's supposed to be, and I know it isn't in some families. And that's a really tragic thing. But in most families it is. It's a joyful day. We get to eat some really serious food, <laughs> and um, we get to really watch a glorious sport, football, <laughs> <All right? laughs> and you get to watch it while your belly is bursting forward, and I hope you enjoy all those things, and um, some of the things that you enjoy is you're thinking about how you're going to save money the next day, <laughs> all right? but I hope one of the biggest things that you enjoy is the joy of seeing your family, because without your family, we all know all the people we know that are without family. <laughs> that is a very painful day because nobody was ever meant to be alone. And I hope this is it. I long to see you <laughs> that I may be filled with joy. You know, we have that day too, but we, every Sunday is Thanksgiving. And it's called church. When we have worship... And then we like to have a meal, except we just don't eat quite as much. And do you know, right in the middle of the worship service, we have this thing called the Peace of Christ. And I love watching you stand up and see each other. You have joy in seeing each other. You hug each other. Why? Because it's Thanksgiving. Except we don't give Thanksgiving for turkey. We give Thanksgiving for life, salvation, salvation. In our family. Because of what Jesus has given us. This is, this is it. <laughs> and. Listen to how he describes you. I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois. And your mother Eunice. And now I am sure it dwells in you as well. For this I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And he goes on to say this thing. And so. And then he charges him. And really, you know what the rest of this is? Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, for me, his prisoner, to share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Um, Paul's writing this from prison. And he says this, and I know many of you know this. um, The world, they do not all like the gospel. And they do not all like Christians. And they do not take kindly to people that boldly share the gospel and say we stand up. And more and more in our society is becoming a not-so-welcome thing to just simply say that you're a Christian. Let alone to do the kinds of things I do, which is to stand up every week and preach the gospel. Um, And uh, I hope one of these days I'm not going to be thrown into jail or into prison. But it may happen. Um, and there are many societies around the world right now, it still happens. If you proclaim the gospel, they will throw you into prison. And if you believe in the gospel in in that society, in that society, you will incur shame in that society. People will reject you. People will be afraid to be associated with you. They will say, I don't know you. And here is what Paul is saying. Don't be ashamed of me. I am not ashamed of this thing that we have because I belong to an eternal family. And really what he's saying now is, and then he goes on, and you know what he's saying? He just effusively just bursts out. He says, because of the purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, you know what he's saying? That through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, it's, it's funny how he says all these things because this thing he's saying that Jesus Christ brought life and light through the immortality of life, you know what he's saying? Well, the, well he just said the gospel. He goes on to say, he says the gospel and then he says, that's the gospel. <laughs> and then through the gospel, that's how we have life. And please don't be ashamed of these things. Let me tell you some other things about Timothy that maybe you don't know. In Acts chapter 16, it says that Timothy, Timothy's mother was Jewish and the Jews were the people that were first given the gospel. They were the, had the promise of life because they were first given this life from God. And, but his father was Greek. His father was Greek. And Paul was the first pastor that was called specifically to reach non-Jews. To reach those who are not of the same ethnicity, who don't have the same heritage, that don't know the Bible. And the gospel was given to this young man named Timothy. And Timothy is, here he is, right in his own body, is right in his own body, is this vision of crossing the generation and and of the ethnicities, and of into the next nation. Every nation, every ethnicity, every culture, he represents that the gospel must go into every culture. And there's a movement right in his own family that is going on, and you know what that's happening? That is the movement we believe in in our church. We believe that movement is not just this strange thing that happened from Paul to Timothy. Paul... A spiritual father who is Jewish, who pours, his, who pours the gospel into a spiritual son who is half Jewish, but he's actually culturally, he's Greek. He's culturally Greek. He's ethnically Greek. And now as the gospel gets implanted into his heart and his life, you know what's happening? I don't know if you realize this. You know what's happening? That is a down payment and this is what Paul calls a deposit. Because <laughs> what is a deposit? A deposit is a down payment. It's a money that you give down, which is a promise. It is a promise of more to come. That's really what it is. And so what he says is, guard this deposit. There's a gospel. The gospel is given forth. Someone received life. That person that receives life, is a gateway to a whole generation being reached (laughs) and a whole nation, a whole culture being reached. So if Timothy is reached, because Paul is soon going to die, actually. And Paul, typically, every leader of every generation is generally good at reaching his generation and maybe the next generation. But if the next generation after that's going to be reached, one who is younger, who can reach that next generation, must be raised up must be poured forth into. This is how the immortal life we are given by grace through Jesus Christ passes on and the family of God, wh- whom Jesus promised at the gates of hell will never conquer. This is how the mission and the identity, the eternal family of life, Will never be defeated because actually if you look at it just by our eyes the church is in danger although it's never going to happen uh, the church is in danger of in any given generation the church could die <laughs> and the church will never die but let me say this, this is and I don't want to scare you too much but in any given city and in any given ethnicity in any given culture in any given place the church could die out there But Jesus promised that in this world, the church will never be defeated by death, sin, Satan, hell, lies. Nothing can defeat us. And this is how it happens. So in Timothy, as he reaches Timothy, his son, he reaches another generation. But as he reaches Timothy, who is Greek, you know, he's reaching. That is a deposit, (laughs) It is a downtainment. It is a promise, a power of life to reach not just one man, but to reach Greeks. <laughs> that's what it's about. If one Greek son could be reached, guess what? All the Greek sons and daughters and their sons and daughters can be reached. That's what it's about. That's the deposit. So what does he say? I'm in prison. They may kill me. And that's what happens, actually. <laughs> But don't be ashamed. Guard this deposit of the gospel. Guard this work that is happening in you. For you are the promise that all the Greeks can be reached. Believe this. Live for this. Don't be ashamed of this. And then do it unto others. That's what he's telling. That's the passage. This is why we believe this. It has been happening ever since this was written. It has not been stopped for 2,000 years. It's not ever going to be stopped until Jesus returns. And any church that's worth its salt believes this. They will sacrifice their time, their energy, their gifts, their money. This is why in a couple of weeks, um, we're going to send a team, even if it's a small team, they're going to wake up at 6 a.m., They're going to drive all the way out to Fresno to reach a few children who have already been reached by their Vacation Bible School Ministry, VBS, to encourage them, to give them gifts, to to give them rides to the special Christmas service, and to let them know that there is a Savior named Jesus born. And they are a nation, a culture called the Mungs, H-M-O-N-G, a very poor and downtrodden people. And if you will give your gifts, and if some of you will go, what is happening right here in this book, we are doing. And it is our great privilege, and it is an incredible joy. And you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is a few of us are going to go, and some of us are going to give our gifts, and we're going to pray for this team that's going to go out to Fresno to reach Mungs. And then... And then some of us, hopefully, we will grow old and we will pass away. Hopefully, um, you know, you will grow old. (laughs) And who knows when Jesus can return. Maybe he will return in 30 years. Maybe he will return in 300 years. But let's just say he returns more like in 300 years. We will one day be walking the golden streets of the New Jerusalem, the city of God, every nation... And you're going to walk into this neighborhood, and there's going to be a family of folks, and you're going to say, What is your culture? And say, We're Hmongs. He said, How did salvation come into your family? How did you get saved? He said, Well, from what I understand, I have a great grandfather. He's from Fresno. And he was saved when he was seven years old out of VBS from Harmony Church and he was particularly moved when this odd Chinese person from a church that was planted by Koreans from San Jose showed up in Fresno and that nailed down the gospel in his heart. And then thousands of others of us were reached and that's how I got saved. That's what's happening. That's what we believe in. I hope you believe in this. Because it's awesome. It's better than anything else that's happening on this planet. It's better than your iPhone. It's better than the 49ers. Well, it's a lot better than the 49ers, because the 49ers stink, okay? (laughs) It's better than the military might of the United States. It's better than the economy of China. It's better than whole empires... Whole empires have come and gone and they will continue to come and go. Whole companies will become rich and die but this will not stop and we will glory in this forever and ever. Hmm. Let me conclude my message. Um, the beauty of the Jesus Center family the way I thought I would close this message is um, I just want to tell us something very personal about our church something I, um, one of the great, so I, I, I said in one of my messages about being, in, um, about being a pastor, some people go, oh gosh, I feel sorry for the pastor, he doesn't get paid much money, he has really all this hard work to do, and, um, and it's true, um, but uh, those things are true, and uh, sometimes the work is like, really painful, um, visiting people who are suicidal, you know, uh, begging people who want to get divorced. Uh, Mired in their, in, 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 in their blindness, right? Um, trying to love some young kid who hates God. <laughs> uh, just filled with his own selfishness. I mean, these are some of the things we get to do as pastors. But, all okay, right. but one of the things I get to do as a pastor, as one of the spiritual fathers, is I get a front row seat to this thing that I just told you about share with you a little something about that's happening that all of our church has a stake in, and you all do, you all do. Just because I'm the pastor, I get kind of maybe a disproportionate amount of the credit, which is really false, I actually think, right? Because we're blind and we give credit where credit probably isn't deserved, and I probably get far too much credit than is really deserved, but I do get a front row seat in this at times. It's really, so you should be jealous, front row seat is better than back row seat. a lot of you have like mid row seats and back row seats I get front row seat so hey you know you want you want to get a front row seat then you know you, you need to do you need to get toward the front row the, the front front line here um, I want to tell you about what I did um, um, the week of Thanksgiving it was a glorious week for me um we have rewards for being a part of this mission. It's not not the normal kind of reward. It's not a reward that the world can give you. It is not a reward that anything can be bought on this planet. It's not from money. It is not by achievement. It's only by grace. It is by grace and mercy and peace which can only come through Jesus Christ crucified, Jesus Christ riven, and believed. And the new life of the Holy Spirit, which is given inside of us. Um, The week of Thanksgiving, I had a young man stay at my house. Um, A number of you know him. Some of you don't know him. His name is Sean Brown. Um, Sean is, uh, is, let me, uh, I wrote this down. Sean is um, a Paiute Native American. Um, He was saved through our outreach ministry, uh, through a praise night, and through a basketball camp we ran. I had a reservation, a Native American reservation, called the Bishop Paiute Reservation. It's out in the town called uh, Bishop, which is on the other side of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, for those of you who are new to our church. Um, And our church has been going out there to engage in this Next generation, crossing cultures, and in this case, we're cross, trying to reach the next generation of Paiutes. And in um, in Sean, Sean is a Timothy to me. Um, Sean is very much; I consider him a son. Um, when he's sitting at my dinner table, he sits and laughs and eats and talks just like. Hudson, actually, <laughs> it's really not any different. He sits there just as comfortably. They laugh with him. <laughs> they hug him. They joke with him. All right? His sisters lean on him right, and pull on him. Elizabeth adores him just the way she adores Hudson. It's really not different. Hmm. Um, last summer... This is how it came about. Last summer, our church went out to bishop and um and i I apologize to Sean because I'm busy when I'm a bishop. I'm busy meeting different leaders and you know trying to help that mission take off and and I'm especially the Lord has given me a special relationship with Sean to um, mentor him, love him, disciple him, and I don't get to see him all that much, obviously. And I apologize that I didn't get to see him. And he says, and he says I, I fully understand. I fully understand, Pastor Seuss. He says, I, he goes, of course, I'm disappointed I didn't get to see you as much. I said, you know, Sean, let's, let's, can we do something else? I said, you think it's possible for you to come to San Jose? Well, when do you get off of school? And I said, out in San Jose, some of the kids get a whole week off of school. What about you? He goes, we, I get a whole week off of school. I said, oh, oh really? <laughs> I said, oh, really? So if I raise some money up and get you a plane ticket, you think your mom and dad would let you come out to San Jose before Thanksgiving? And he said, um, I think so. <laughs> and I'm so grateful to his mom and dad. His, his dad's name is Craig, who is... So get this, um, you think... When I tell you that Sean is like Timothy, I'm not kidding. Um, Sean's dad is Paiute. His mom is Croatian. <laughs> so just like Timothy, is, he's got two cultures in one world. He's got, just like Timothy, Sean is the same way. Right. And... Um, and we went out, and so and he has a spiritual father who's not the same ethnicity as him. I'm in, in, in my case, I'm Korean American, coming from a different city. Uh, Paul grew up in a different city than, than where, where Timothy was, and um, I and I said, and so I don't know if you know this. Um, Sean is is basically a straight A student, which is unusual among Native Americans. Right? He's a very studious boy. And you can throw him hard reading and he will not only do it, but then he'll read it again because I didn't understand it the first time. Oh, wait, I didn't understand it the second time, so he'll read it again. And then he'll chase you when you teach him hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, he, he may even listen to the sermon. <laughs> and uh, usually, I, do you know how many 16-year-olds re- uh, voluntarily listen <laughs> The sermons that I, where I'm targeting 25, 35, (laughs) 45-year-olds, he does, right? And and he reads, and he, the last time when I was out there last summer, he says, tell me about C.S. Lewis. Tell me about St. Augustine. (laughs) I said, you interested? He's like, yeah. How about if I get you some of those books, will you read them? He's like, yeah. I got him a whole pack of C.S. Lewis books, and he read them. <laughs> I don't know if he read all of them, but he read some of them for sure. And I said, so Sean, how about if you come out to San Jose and we'll do some Bible study? I'll teach you some theology, and we'll talk about C.S. Lewis and Augustine. That's what we did. <laughs> so I got him a plane ticket. Craig and... um. And, uh, and um, Gina, who are his parents, who are they're absolutely wonderful people. They don't believe in Jesus. Not yet. I'm praying for them, okay? They don't believe in Jesus yet. And I'm sure Sean is praying for them. And he asked us to pray. For, he actually came to pastor staff meeting, our staff, pastor staff prayer meeting, because I, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Leave him at home on Tuesday when I'm supposed to come to church? So I brought him along to church and he sat there <laughs> at prayer meeting. And his prayer request is, my parents don't believe in Jesus. And, um, and we had extended sessions where I taught the Bible, and uh, we had a really memorable session on Tuesday where we went through a chapter from C.S. Lewis's book called "Mere Christianity on the Great Sin," and it took him to the heart of the gospel and how the gospel overcomes our worst sin, which is pride. And he was riveted. I said, this 16-year-old boy is getting things that I got 45-year-olds don't get. (laughs) Some of my elders, sometimes I wish, don't quite have this. And all the time I'm here teaching this boy, I am, this is what's what's happening inside of me. (laughs) Inside of me, my mouth is like... (laughs) Like, are you for real kid? (laughs) That's what's happening inside of me. For hours, I would teach him, I would just throw him this hunk of like spiritual meat and throw it straight in his face, and he would just eat it and come back for more. And you think this is just me? It's a family endeavor. So you all have a part in this too. So this is what happens. Um, so on Wednesday morning, we're in the middle of this, you know, this like intense Bible study lesson. I get this phone call. I don't recognize the phone call. I'm like, I don't know. Who is this? I'm like, eh, I don't know. Something told me. Normally if I don't recognize the, the call, I don't pick up. But just something told me to pick up. So I said, okay. So I picked up. You know, like really, I'm kind of irritated because we're being, we're doing something really important. But I answered. And this little voice <laughs> is on the other end. And it's Ellen Kwan <laughs> Ellen got her mom's cell phone and said, "I heard Pastor Sis that Sean is at your house. I want to see Sean before he goes home." I said, "Sure, Ellen." I said, <laughs> "Ellen, <laughs> I go I go Sean actually is going to his uh, is going to go hang out with his brothers today." And he's, so at 2.30 that afternoon, I was going to lose Sean, and he was going to spend the night at Christina Morris' house. So if you, want, if you don't believe this thing, this crossing next generation, in, Christina Morris is one of the most important lady deacons in our church, right? Christina Morris is Korean-American, but her husband is Filipino. And her sons are dear friends of Sean. So here we go. You got half Filipino, half Korean kids who love the half Croatian, half Paiute kid, and the gospel's getting into all of them. And his aunt, Christina Morris, who loves Sean, says, I'll take him. He'll have dinner with us. She takes all the it was, so it wasn't even just her sons, like, so like three other, when she picks up Sean, they were like, oh, there was a whole bunch of dudes. <laughs> they were all there like, yeah, we're going to hang out with Sean, our brother. And I, and I told Ellen, I said, before they come, if you get your mom, are you, if you can get your mom to get to our house, I'll take you out to lunch with Sean and my kids. And so, she said, "Great, Pastor sis, hung up." And uh, as it right toward lunchtime, Mrs. Kwan came. She gave Sean a hug. I almost started weeping right there. And Ellen came, and she she adores Sean, and Sean has this way of treating Ellen and Elizabeth just like. They're his little sisters, right? And we went out. I took him to our, my favorite pizza place in town called Cicero's Pizza, and I surprised him. I, I, I was actually thinking maybe I'll ask Sean to pray, and and so right, we were sitting there. So it was um, me and um, my daughters, Laura. <laughs> Uh, and Elizabeth and Hudson had come home from school. Well, Hudson didn't have school that day. And then, um, and Ellen. And then later on, Grace showed up. And I asked Sean, will you pray for our meal with this glorious pizza sitting in front of us? And and he looked a little surprised when I said, would you pray for us? Because I'd never really quite put, asked him to do that before. And I wasn't sure if he was going to go... Because some people fumble around. They're like, okay, I have to do a little piece of religion now. Because instead he bows his head, took a moment, and he said, Father. And from the bottom of his heart, he prayed to his father. That prayer was my reward. (laughs) Here's something what he said. He said... Father, I am overjoyed. That's the word he used. I am overjoyed to be with my family. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then he went on. And then he said it all over again. (laughs) He said it once. And then he said, because I am right now, I am so overjoyed. I don't know what to say. I just want to say, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you can have this amazing boy, see, in Sean, you don't have just one Paiute kid being reached, you have the Paiute Nation. That is a deposit of the Paiute Nation. And we are all called, just like Alan, just like Mrs. Kwan, just like Benji. And Alex Amores and Christina Amores, all of us have a stake to help Sean to guard the deposit so that the Paiutes, because they belong to our family. This is what we're doing. So I hope it's compelling to you. It is. And every now and then as you do this, the Lord will give you this reward. You're going to have a moment when this happens, and as you sit and you're doing this thing, you will, the, the pleasure of God just washed over me when Sean said that prayer. And I basked all throughout Thanksgiving thinking about that prayer. And I hope that you will taste of this too. And you will um, never be ashamed, and never be stopped, And that we will, this Jesus-centered family will just grow bigger and more and we'll reach, we'll be reaching all San Jose for this. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Sean. Thank you for Ellen. (laughs) My dear sister and partner in the gospel. A dear little girl who is mighty in christ and i pray that for all our shans and ellens and benjis and and for the the shans to come the shans who are yet in our city the ellens who are yet in our city some who are chinese and some who are iranian the Ellens who are awaiting us in Fresno, who are Hmong, Lord, we thank you for this incredible privilege to guard and pass on this deposit of life and to own this unbelievably compelling ministry, this mission you have given us, which is worthy of our life, which is worthy of you. And we pray, Lord, that. I ask that you would inflame the hearts of my brothers and sisters, and you would make us into a beautiful and glorious family, overflowing with grace, mercy, peace, and love upon love, so that our sons and daughters would weep when they leave home, and when they think of us, and when they gather together with us. Every Sunday will be Thanksgiving Sunday, And whether we're eating turkey or whether we're eating kimchi or whether we're eating pizza, our heart will say, thank you, Father. I'm overjoyed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Father. I say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for loving us through your son and making us your sons and daughters for this incredible family and this incredible mission.
0: In Jesus' name. Amen.